How well does your dog respond to your cues from a distance? Like imagine if you're out walking in the woods and you find you're on one side of a path and the dog's on the other side of a path and a cyclist is coming by. You ask your dog to down or sit because if you called the dog, they might get in the path of the cyclist. How likely is your dog going to respond to those cues when they're away from you? And wouldn't it be of value to have that kind of response? Hi, I'm Susan Garrett. Welcome to Shape by Dog. And today's episode is going to start a series where I'm going to help you get amazing responses from your dog from a distance. And it is going to be easier than you may think at first, but a dog responding from a distance is just showing mastery of skills that they can do really, really close up. And that is the challenge because too often success in dog training is evaluated by a dog who you've helped to learn a skill. So they sort of kind of do it, but they maybe need a few helpful reminders. You might give them a cue with a word and then you got to help them with your body. That's the level of success for most people. That's what they aspire to. And I think it's easy to want that from your pet because come on, Susan, I got so much to do in a day. I got to go to work. I got the kids. I got the laundry. I got the plumber coming in the morning and I don't have time to train a dog. But with just a little bit of a mind shift, the way that I'm talking about training, the way that myself and all my students train dogs is, is just engaging. It's just a conversation. Like if you have a BFF, wouldn't you love to just have a quick little conversation with them? That's what dog training is to me. It's you have a response, they have a response. And it's engagement means you both find value in that interaction. And if you both find value, then yes, we all have massively busy lives, but we're going to carve out 30 seconds for a little bit of interaction. And then, okay, I'm going to catch you after work because I've got to fly, but it was great catching up. And then you get home after work and oh, I've got three minutes. I can do a little bit more interaction. And guess what? All of that adds up over the course of a week that you've put in 30 or 40, maybe even an hour of training with your dog. And I just, you know, the word training, it just grates on, on your, on your nerves with, because so often it's triggered to mean, oh, it's work, it's drilling, it's things the dog kind of sort of doesn't really want to do. And I don't kind of really want to do that. We just need to change the vision of what educating a dog is because mastery is getting mastery of those skills. That's success in dog training. Mastery of those skills close up means you have a far better chance of getting mastery of those skills from a distance. So in this first podcast, in this first episode, where we're going to help you get mastery at a distance, we're going to talk about mastery close up. And what does that look like? And there's a few elements that I, that you just need to be clear about. Three of them, we need the dog to have clarity with. And the fourth, it's like a grouping. It's up to you. So the first thing we really want our dog to understand are the cues, the verbal cues of the behaviors that we would love to see them to be able to master close up and at a distance. So the obvious ones would be sit, down, and I would suggest one or two other, other cues. So I use the cue stand, 
might be a little bit challenging, but I picked that because I'm going to put a link in the show notes for a quick and easy way to teach your dog how to stand the way that we teach our dogs how to stand. And already I've got a video on YouTube where I show you a super easy way to teach your dog to down. And so there's two of the three behaviors. If you'd like to know how I teach my sit, you can just jump over to YouTube and leave me a comment and um, I can do a video on that as well. But I assume most people have a grasp on that one. Okay. So what we need, a dog will respond the first time we ask. We don't have to re-cue. We don't have to do sit, sit, sit. We don't have to go sit and then get towering over the dog. We don't have to use a food lure or, or, or pretend lure that you, you know, pretend you've got a, something and you're putting it over your dog's head. The dog hears a cue, boom, they go, yeah, I know what that means. I'm going to do that. Okay. So we're going to clean that up today, right? That's the first thing. So we have a dog who understands what the verbal cues mean and they're excited to do it. The second thing is they will hold that position. There is no longer sit, stay, 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 because the stay dance is gone. A cue means go into that position. And there is no time set for that. It is go in that to position until number three element, I give you a release cue. So our dog's responsibility that we are going to help them achieve mastery at is respond to my cue. And that goes back to guys, you have to train it in an engaging way where you have the, the, I've talked about the five C's of training where you have that connection, you create clarity for what you want, the sit down or the stand, then you build confidence and then we throw challenge. And guess what one challenge could be? working at a distance, but that is a university challenge. We've got to get the little challenges close up first. Okay. So we've worked with the five C's on sit down, stand, or whatever behaviors you think would be helpful from a distance. Obviously a recall would be helpful from a distance, but we're not focusing on that. We want our dog to be at a distance and do these behaviors. That's what our ultimate goal is. Okay. Because it's life-saving. It's actually life-saving. So let's talk about the release cue. I have many and you probably do too, but you might not be intentional about them. So let's clean that up. If I say to my dog break, it means they can leave that position and find reinforcement in wherever they find ideally towards me, but it may not be because I've said break. If I said their name, it would mean come to me. So break is one search means find the food I've thrown and get it means go to the dead retrieve. So I might have like a bowl with a, I've put a cookie in and if they're in a sit and I say, get it, they can get out of the sit and get the food out of the bowl. If I say search and I've got food in the bowl, they get the cookies that I've thrown on the floor. They don't take the ones out of the bowl. Okay. So another skill that your dogs have to have strongly encourage it is the skill of it's your choice. I'll put a link to the show notes. So I will give you the step-by-step to how you can play that with your dog. And that is the foundation that all of my training is built on. So, but the three main ones that we need for teaching the foundations for getting away at a distance is getting that mastery up close 
Response to a cue, hold position to your release, and the understanding of a release word. So that holding position includes with distractions. So the distraction of the bicycle going by, the distraction of, you know, you might be walking into another room and you come back and we want our dog to hold that position. So those are the three things that our dogs are are really going to need to have mastery with. And I think it's your choice is the way to help get your dog mastery with the second one in particular. Now, I said there was one you were responsible for, and that is training mechanics. And that is number one, having an awareness. It's funny that I should say that. So I'm just going to throw it out here. I was, I was at an Eckert Toll lecture last night. It was amazing. And so being present to know what's going on is helpful at everything in life, but in particular, when you're working at educating your dog, when you're creating this kind of engagement. And what do I mean by that? If I ask my dog to sit, am I leaning forward? Am I stamping my foot? Am I reaching to my pocket before I say sit? Really, really important that you understand that you're cueing without any extra help from your body. That's number one. Number two is that you're marking without motion from your body. So if I ask my dog to down, they down, I'll mark it with a good. And then that tells the dog, that's what I was looking for. I may now go in and reinforce. So it's cue, mark, and reinforce. Be aware of what you are doing when you are cueing, marking, and reinforcing. And the next thing you need to be aware of is what is your dog doing when you deliver that reinforcement? So if I go in to feed my dog and they get up out of this, the down that I've asked them to go in, even if they lift their elbows off of the ground, what did you just reinforce? You reinforce the dog for leaving the down, not staying in the down. Likewise, if you ask your dog to down, they down, you say, good, and then they get up and come to you for the cookie, you've reinforced them for leaving position. You've reinforced the dog on top of you, which we're trying to eventually build the distance from that. And the dog doesn't get a chance to show you that they can do a duration, even if that duration is one second. So we need you to be aware of your cueing, what your body is doing, marking, how are you marking? And you can use words other than good, I used to use the word yes, whatever you want, saying things like good boy, good, that's praise rather than marking. You know, a mark like good boy, it's building along. A marker should be isolating up. This is good. You lie down. Now, if you wanted to praise or mark duration, good boy is reinforcing them for staying in that down position. And then you've got to know what are you doing when you're releasing? Are you doing this? Okay and turning away from the dog. So for those of you who are listening to this podcast, are you motioning with your body when you give the cue, okay, they can leave? We want the dog to not think part of what you're doing is important to what they're doing, that what you're doing with your body isn't built into the behavior, which is why so many people struggle getting their dogs to work at a distance. Because The rewards with you, and if the dog's 40 feet away and you ask them to lie down, they are going to come close to you to lie down because, well, if I'm out there and the cookies are over here, then it's too far away. I I can't do it. The bank's empty over here. The bank's full over here. I want to be lying down near the full bank. 
Okay. So it's super important that you get these mechanics correct. All right. So lots of engagement in your training. For those of you who have got a dog who doesn't respond on the first time you ask them to down, or they're, they're really slow to get into that position, chances are it's not engaging for them. I would go back and retrain that and don't use your words right now. A lot of people have been taught to use the words right away. So you have a dog who's a little distracted, uh, you're learning this in class and somebody may have instructed you to repeat the word over and over again as a dog is doing the behavior, sit, 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 sit. Well, the dog is slow and distracted and that gets built into this cue. So we want the dog to be fast and snappy and engaged on their toes. And so that's what we want to rebuild. Go back and watch those videos on stand and down. And I promise you, you're going to have a snappy down and stand. And if you would like a snappy sit as well, leave me a comment and I'll tell you how you can go about to get that one. So the goal is to know what does your dog's behaviors look like close up. And that really is dependent upon your engagement, the level of education that you've put in for the dog and the layers of buy-in that you have from the dog. What that comes to is what is the transfer of value? Like if the dog has always done behaviors with a cookie in front of them or looking like if there's no cookie on you, I'm going to be slower. You're not going to have the same buy-in. We need the transfer of value. I've talked about transfer of value so many times on this podcast. So we've got those behaviors close. I'm going to share with you now a little experiment I did with some of my students. This was probably 20 years ago. I wanted to, to really make it super clear how behaviors from a distance happen because the behavior of the mastery of the behaviors close. So this is what I did. We had a camp here where we had 48 students. They were divided into four groups of 12 and they worked with a different instructor every day. So when they worked with me, they worked with half days. Okay. So when they worked with me on the first day, I gave them this assignment. We're going to have a competition. Ooh, these are people at an agility camp. So they love a little competition. And I said, I've put this group, the whole camp of 48 campers, I've divided them up as equal as I could into groups of 12. So if there's two border collies in this group, there's two border collies in this group, but there's a German shepherd in this group, there's a German shepherd in that group. And I balance them out. If there's many dogs in this group, there's many dogs in this group. And so what we're going to do is between your group of 12 now, we're going to divide you into six and you're going to have a partner. So one member of the partner is going to be doing behavior distance. The other member of the partner is going to be doing behavior distraction. So, and your scores are going to add up and we're going to see who's the best team at the end of the weekend. Okay. So here was the exercise that I had them do back then. This is telling if anybody's listening to this and knows a little bit about the history of agility, there was something called a pause box way back when. And what it was, was a PVC square on the ground that the dogs had to jump into and lie down. There used to be a pause table. The pause box quickly went away and the pause table is all that we saw. And now we rarely see a pause table. So here was the game, the team of team distance. What they had to do is to see how far away they could get with their dog they could practice over the four days of, or three days of camp. They could practice as often as they want. And we would practice when they would get to work with me. 
So team distance, it was how far away we were going to measure on one cue. You would tell your dog to go in that box. Now, Teams' distractions, what they had to do is stay as close as they wanted to that pause box with their dog. And they had to do how many different positions or behaviors could you do and tell your dog to go from outside the box and on one cue, they'd pop in the box and go into a down. That was their game. And so they would be doing jumping jacks. They'd be lying on their back. They'd be sitting cross-legged. They'd be turning away from the dog. They'd be... It was amazing the different things that these people came up with for team distraction. All right. So they had to come up with a list and, and this, these lists were incredible. They were well over 20 different body positions or distractions that they could be doing and telling their dog, get in the box and the dog had to get in the box and lie down, but they could stay as close to that box as they wanted. And most of them, you know, were within an arm's distance away or closer. Okay. Now. Final day, the big competition. I had team distance go from each pair. They went first. Team distance would go, and the average dog could go 15 feet was the average, and their dog would go on one cue, go into the box and lie down. So 15 feet, that's, that's about five meters, okay? After that dog would go, I then said, team distraction, I want you to go half the distance that your partner went and get your dog to go in the box. And they said, no, 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 no. We were team distraction. We never did any distance. I said, that's okay. And so they would, they followed instructions. They went half the distance and guess what? Their dogs flew one cue into the box, lie down. And then I said, all right, now I want you to go back to where your partner was. One cue, boom, the dog flew into the box. Now I want you to go further. And for most of these dogs, and I said, you just keep going back. And how far will your dog go? Those dogs who were on team distraction, they went faster and they went further than their partners did. Every single dog. Why was that? Because what I was really doing was I was helping team distraction to value build for a position. What does it look like? It's not attached to me. It it doesn't matter if I'm hovering over you. I'm doing all these crazy things because I'm team distraction. That's what they thought. So many people, especially in the sport of agility, if we say get distance away, they do it way, way too fast. The dog never gets mastery. And so that's what I'd like for you. Dog training happens in layers. Like really good dog training happens in layers of education. We start at kindergarten, go through grade school, go through high school, university, master's, PhD, postdoc, and that's what team distraction was doing without knowing it. That's how I set them up. You just thought of 20 or 30 different ways to add value to a behavior for your dog. So your dog, the engagement went up. It was so much fun. This is so easy. The five C's, there was connection at first. It was super clear what you wanted your dog to do. The confidence was skyrocketing over the weekend. The dogs could do all these challenges. And the last challenge we added was distance. And it was a surprise challenge. And lo and behold, the dogs were amazing. And so that's what I want for you. Focus on mastery close up. And the next time we get together, I'm going to share with you how you can grow that distance. Okay. So before I jump off, I'd like to thank 
from the bottom of my heart, the outpouring of support from my last podcast and uh, the well wishes. I, I got to tell you, it's just a joy to serve uh, the community that I have out here, listen, who, the people who listen to, to my podcast and on YouTube who have who've just sent beautiful notes and left beautiful comments um, after I shared my loss of feature. So sending big love right back at you guys. You're amazing people. And um, I just love that I am the one that gets to wake up and think of ways that I can help you. I'll see you next time right here on Shape by Dog.